0: But here lies the ultimate goal of the Christian life. This is the fulfillment and the plan. This is what God expects for the believer, the born-again child of God, to become a profitable servant, producing fruit in our lives, consistently producing fruit. It is when the believer reaches the point that he goes beyond the typical in-and-out, up-and-down average christianity and he begins to live a life that is marked by victory instead of failure by joy instead of discouragement and that's god's plan for everybody he wants you all to get to that place where your days are marked by victory where you begin to see consistent fruit coming in your life and we want to talk about this fruit bearing victorious christian life uh, John 15, verse number 8. Brother Glover? Is my father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. You see, herein is God glorified that we bear fruit. This brings honor and glory to God. And it is a mark of a disciple that is a follower of Christ, a believer, somebody that wants to be a disciple, to follow after, to learn about Christ. He says, hey, here's a mark of that, that you're going to bear much fruit. This is vitally important that we as God's people are bearing fruit God has given us a a pretty graphic example in Matthew 3.10 of how strongly he feels about this. Will you read Matthew 3.10? And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. So he says, hey, those trees that do not bring forth fruit are hewn down. Now, my dad up in New York uh, lived there in this small town along the Erie Canal, and uh, Brother Heidenreich, who was here just not long ago, (coughs) um, he actually, for many years, managed apple orchards, and uh, he still lives on an apple orchard, uh, no longer the manager of that orchard uh, or running things, but uh, he knows... So much about trees and and the care of trees and how to make them produce fruit and what's necessary and just the logistics of it all. It's fascinating to talk to him about it. But, you know, you get to a point where a tree stops producing fruit. There's no reason to have it around. There's no reason to continue to have that tree taking up space. Uh, It's not doing what it was planted for. They don't have an apple orchard just to make a nice row of trees. The apple orchard is to produce apples and they want to be getting a certain number of apples off of those trees each year. And God says those trees that do not bear fruit, uh, they're going to be hewn down. He says here, you and I were born to reproduce from the beginning of God's creation. God expressed his desire for man to be fruitful, multiply. God gave mankind the ability to have children, to raise them up and honor him. In a similar fashion, God expects us as children of God to have fruit, to bring other children, to, to bring other people to the Lord, that they could be born again like we were, uh, and failure to win others to Christ, illustrated by Jesus Christ in the fig tree that only had leaves and no fruit in Matthew twenty one nineteen and 20. Who has that one? Matthew 21, 19, and 20. We didn't sign that one yet. Nobody, nobody, all right, well, I'll read it to you. Matthew twenty-one, nineteen through 20 says, And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only. And he said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? You see, Christ came and he found this fig tree. It looked like a fig tree. It had the leaves of a fig tree. All passers-by would behold it and say, oh, this is a fig tree. But he says, hey, it's not producing figs. There's a problem here. And he cursed the fig tree. What I'm saying, beloved, is that God uh, is not so impressed with how we might fit into the mold of modern Christianity. We might look like a Christian. We might be able to talk like a Christian. Passers-by might look at us and say, oh, look at that person. Uh, boy, they sure look like a fine, upstanding Christian. But God says he's not as concerned about the fact that you look like this particular mold of modern Christianity, but that you are bringing forth fruit. That your life is producing something. A mere outward appearance of Christianity is not pleasing to God. In order to please God, there must be fruit and fruit that remains. John 15, verse number 16. Uh, Brother Glover, are you still in John? Can you jump down to verse 16? I think I had you read 8. There's several things here in this verse that are very important. Now, we're just touching the surface on the number of verses that deal with us as Christians bringing forth fruit. This entire passage there in John has numerous verses. We could read the whole passage uh, on the principles of bearing fruit. But here he says, hey, it is God's plan. He's chosen you. He's ordained you that you should bring forth fruit, but also that your fruit should remain I want you to understand there's something expected, something necessary, and that is that fruit should remain. That uh, somebody who professes salvation in Jesus Christ has an inward change that carries them for more than a week or two, that carries them through their life with the knowledge of the fact that they're on their way to heaven. And their life is evident of that. You see, here's here's the real problem with the the easy believism, with the one, two, three, pray after me uh, mentality. This this notching my belt for how many souls uh, I've seen saved this month. Um, I received a thing from a from a pastor this last week and. He says, I praise God. We've seen, our church has seen 258 people follow the Lord or get saved in the last five months. His church is basically about the size of ours. And they've had 258 people profess to be Christians, profess to follow Christ. That's more than two, well, almost two a day. Uh, And uh, I mean, I wonder of those, how many ever darkened the door of the church? How many followed the Lord in believers' baptism? How many became active, participating, fruit-bearing Christians? You see, there's an expectation that the fruit would remain. It's not just about getting somebody to say, uh, oh, I believe in God, and praying a simple prayer I mean, we had a couple of testimonies during uh, the revival there uh, and I don't remember who it was I think it was Bob Gamble he said you know he came down in the middle of a service and the pastor didn't show him anything in the scriptures didn't lead him through anything he just says boy I'm so glad you came today and you put your faith and trust in Christ and you're a, you're a believer in God and and hey we got to get you baptized and he didn't even know what happened I could be wrong if it was Bob, but if somebody talked about that idea, that, that that they went through that and, you know, there was no real conversion there. It needs to be fruit that remains. And I want you to see something else very powerful here in this verse, John 15, 16. He says that your fruit shall remain. And whatsoever ye shall ask of my Father in my name, he may give it to you. But there's a key word there in between this. He says, that, your, that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask in my Father's name, he may give it to you. You see, there's a key word there, that. He says, hey, this is part of seeing our prayers answered. Part of seeing God Bring uh, the results that we pray for and seek for. He says, Hey, the things that you ask in my name, I want to provide those for you. I want to give them to you. And one stipulation or one principle that uh, is advantageous towards that is that we are fruit bearing Christians. Do we see how important this is? Are you guys really tired this week? Everybody seems a little bit, I know it's been a long week. We had a funeral yesterday. I left the funeral, was driving to the hospital. Brother John Bond was in the hospital with pneumonia. And uh, on, on the way to the hospital, he called me and says, they just let me go. He said, he said, I'm on my way home right now. And uh, they said, just stay inside for a few days and finish recovering. And, and I said, all right, well, uh, I was on my way to the hospital. He says, I knew you were going to do that. That's why I called you. I didn't want you to go to the hospital and find out that I wasn't there. And uh, I said, well, well, we'll see. We won't see you tomorrow. You've got to stay home a couple of days and recover. But uh, we'll see you again. I'm just saying it's been a full week. I know it's been busy. Maybe uh, you're, you're uh, a little bit tired. But I'm glad you made it today. He says, when a fruit tree, in your notes here, uh, when a fruit tree produces no fruit, the problem can be found in the root system. Is this the first blank you guys have had? You're like, Pastor, you're getting a long way off track here. You're a long ways from the notes. (laughs) Um, So it's found in the root system. If the root of the tree does not have proper nourishment, it will not produce fruit. It will be barren. And Matthew 13, 1 through 10, God gives us an example of fruit bearing. Jesus illustrates four possibilities of fruit from sowing the seed of the gospel. These four possibilities. And you guys are familiar with these things. Christ is now carrying the gospel to the Gentile nations, you know, because the Jewish nations had rejected him. Uh, He is making known unto them, the passage says, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And he gives this parable here, this parable where we see the passion of the sower, the power of the seed, and the problem with the soil. There, this is a passage that gives us and teaches us a lot of things with regards to this idea of fruit bearing. Uh, there's a whole lot of people that hear the word of God, but the soil that has not been prepared, the soil that is not ready to hear it, that soil does not take to the, the, the seed is not able to get planted. It is not nourished. It doesn't grow. It doesn't produce any fruit. The problem comes with the soil. Now, just by way of explanation, I think you guys know these things, but the sower is anyone willing to go. Any will, anyone willing to go and sow. The sower is anyone. Any one of us can be a sower. In this parable, you put yourself in that. The sower goes forth. To sow. So anybody willing, and there's a, there should be a passion and a desire to go forth and, and reach souls. I was talking to Dr. Green this last week. Uh, we know some people uh, that, I mean, we're really not in the same, I mean, obviously uh, he has kids uh, older than me. Uh, so we're not in the same group at all, but we know a lot of the same people. And somebody that he had spent a lot of time with, that I had spent a lot of time with, was Carlos Demarest. In El Paso, Texas, because I lived there, Carlos Dimmers was probably one of the greatest individual personal soul winners that I've ever known. And Brother Green says, "Oh yeah." He said we would go to a gas station, and Carlos Dimmers would put two dollars of gas in the tank. And then 10, 15 miles down the road, he would stop and he'd put two more dollars in. I, I tell him, why you do that? He says, because I get to talk to more people. <laughs> That's, all. That's the only reason. He was never worried about where he, how he, who he was supposed to meet or where he was supposed to go or that he had to be there. He just wanted an opportunity to witness to some more people. And you pretty much knew if you were riding with Carlos, you were going to be late because he was going to be witnessing to somebody and he's going to be, he'll take whatever time's needed and uh, he's going to be giving them The gospel, it's a passion to reach souls and God wants us to have that passion. The seed is the word of God. We've got to spread that, the word of God and the soil is the heart of men. So we see the seed is sown in the wayside. The wayside, that's the first type of soil or the first heart of man that is presented here. The fowls of the air come and devour the seed. Satan is the one who took the seed and removed the possibility of fruit. The Christian uh, has an enemy, that enemy is Satan, and Satan uses all of his power to hinder the gospel. He, he, he comes and snatches it away. This, so, this soil is described as packed soil, soil that's hard to get into, soil that the seed kind of lands up on the top, and the birds are able to come and take it really fast. I don't know how many of you have ever been out witnessing and talking to somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's, it's evident that God is speaking to their heart. It's evident that God is working, and there's a connection there. And then you're getting to a critical part. Now, listen, this is a decision that you can make today. You can decide right now to put your faith and trust in Christ. You don't have to be in a church. You don't have to be in a special location. It's a personal relationship between you and God. And what happens? The cell phone rings. The kid comes running in from the other room, and he, he somehow, of all times, fell out of his chair and bunked his head, and he's screaming, and he needs to be tended to. And all of a sudden it's like that opportunity is gone. It's very evident. You can see it written on their face. They had a connection. It was evident that the spirit was speaking to their heart, that they were saying to themselves, this is truth. I need this. But then all of a sudden, bam, it's gone. And they're like, oh, I've got to take care of my son or I've got to deal with this, but thanks for stopping by. I appreciate what you're doing. We'll see you. And and that seed's gone, snatched up because Satan's the enemy. He's going to do all he can to steal it, to rob it, to pull it away. This soil many times has been hardened by tragedy and hardship of life. It's the heart that the seed cannot penetrate. Have you ever met somebody that was just hard? Just a hard individual? Some of you might have some family that you're praying for and they're just hard. They're just, they're like, I don't mind you coming by, but don't talk to me about that God stuff. Don't talk to me about the Bible. Don't bring it up. They're just hard. There's like nothing will break through. It's a hard heart. We need God to do a miraculous work and to soften that heart up. This kind of person is usually arrogant, he's usually very proudful. He uh, feels like he's pulled himself up by his own bootstraps and he's, he's made himself what he is and he doesn't need anybody or anything this packed soil, sown on the wayside. Then there's seed that is sown in stony ground uh, because there's no deepness of earth. When the sun shines upon it, the plant withers away. This example illustrates for us uh, that battle between the flesh. Uh, The flesh, of course, is at enmity with God and cannot produce godly and lasting fruit. When the flesh is denied and you allow the Holy Spirit to control your life, fruit will begin to develop. Here, I call this perfunctory soil. We had packed soil there, the hard heart. But this perfunctory soil, this soil that, you know, the seed falls down into a little crevice, and it's dark and maybe a little moist, and it's able to to sprout, and new life comes. But then the, the, the sun comes out, and the sun is a picture of any type of hardship. A little bit of heat. A little bit of a trial, a little bit of a test, the first challenge that comes and all of a sudden it withers, it burns up, it's gone. There's no root system there, there's no real uh, uh, substance being given there and so it withers, it goes away. It's superficial, it's not real. I, I worry sometimes and I always, I tell people. People come into church here and and they're here their first Sunday and they walk up and they're like, man, Pastor Caleb, I love this church. This is awesome. This is, oh, this is where I want to be. I want to be a member. And I'll tell them, hey, that's exciting. I appreciate that. Why don't you come for uh, a couple months and and really get a grip and see who we are, meet the church family, uh, you know, just be around a little while. Uh, And I'm excited that they love it but I want to keep from having knee-jerk reactions and and, and I want people to make sound uh, spirit-led decisions lest they be turned on so quickly, uh, lest they be pulled away so quickly. I want you to know that although persecutions are not pleasant, in the life of a true Christian, persecution brings growth, not death. Where here we see this example given of persecution, of sun, of the heat, of trial and test, causes the plant to wither away. Have you ever heard the expression, they're a mile wide and an inch deep? A couple of people shaking their heads. Uh, you know, that idea that there's really not a whole lot of substance there. Uh, it's, just, it's just superficial. You know, that's what a lot of this seeker sensitive movement is The, the churches that are out there today that are that are blowing up that are busting at the seams and people are coming from everywhere they're they're a mile wide and an inch deep there's there's not much substance there and I'm telling you from the testimonies that I've heard from people that have come and been through that and said you know there was nothing I mean it was exciting and fun at first but there was no substance there there was no meat there There was no growth taking place there. It was the same type of of motivational speech every Sunday. And I've never attended that kind of church, but I've talked to personally testimony, and people have shared with me what they've been through and what they experienced. There's not any depth there, and that's what he's talking about here, this uh, seed that falls on stony ground. There's no depth. Then we see the seed that is sown among thorns, Thorns are things that come and choke the weeds or choke the seeds, so they cannot grow because of the th- the weeds or the thistles that might be all around it. This example sets forth the devastating effect of the world, worldliness, that the believer can ultimately choke the word of God out of his own life. This is a preoccupied soil. Have you ever had in your intentions to do something specific one day? in your mind, you're like, I've got to get this done, and then somebody called, and then you, you got into this, and then your wife or your husband needed something, and you went through the entire day and never did accomplish <laughs> what it was. You got up and said, I've got to get this done today. You ever been there? I've been there. That's preoccupied. There's things that you got preoccupied doing other things. And and here's what he's saying. The seed comes and and it takes root in your heart. But the problem is, is although we know it's right and we know we should do it, the problem is, is we get preoccupied with the things of the world. And it's pictured by those thorns or those things that come and choke out the seed, keep it from being able to grow and produce the fruit that it's supposed to produce. The world... You remember that story of the rich young ruler talking to Jesus? And he said, well, and and Jesus knew what was in his heart. He said, I want to be a follower of you. And Jesus said, "Okay, wonderful. That's exciting. Great. Uh, Why don't you go sell all that you have and come and follow me? And he says, oh, no, I don't want it that bad. No, you see, the things that he had had too much of a hold on him. Those things are really what he wanted. That was really the source of what he was going after, but he enjoyed being around Jesus. You see, this kind of soil wants God, but they don't want to let go of the world. Well, beloved Christ says you cannot serve two masters, for either you will love the one and hate the other, or despise the one and love the other. You, You can't serve two masters. Then we see the seed is sown on good ground. This seed is sown on the ground that goes and brings forth fruit. Some of it a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. This is good fertile soil that's been prepared and ready and brings forth abundant fruit. You know every farmer that's out here? Not a one of them that are getting a harvest right now. Not one of them went out in... uh, the spring, and just spread dirt on, or just spread uh, seed on the ground, walking around, or, or even with the machine. They didn't, not one of them just went out and just threw seed on the ground. First, they do what? They prepare the soil. They churn it up. You know, there's about two weeks, especially up in Loganville, where I lived, there's about two weeks in the spring every year that just the whole region stinks. And you're like, oh, man, they're, they're fertilizing the fields again. They're churning all that up, and they're spreading the fertilizer, and, you know, you smell it in the air. It's like, there's not even a farm around here. Where? How come I'm smelling that stuff, you know? It's just everywhere. You drive up through Lancaster, <laughs> driving down the roads, and you just smell it everywhere. That, that what are they doing? They're preparing the soil. This here, beloved, is profitable soil. The seed penetrates deep into the heart of the earth. It takes root. It grows and produces fruit. This is typifies or pictures the heart that has been adequately prepared, and we see that that heart brings forth fruit. Some. A hundredfold, some 60-fold, and some 30-fold. I don't have time to get off onto the differences of the production, produ- production of fruit and the different skills or capacities or abilities we have, all in different levels, but all bring forth some fruit. So we see this heart that has been prepared. Well, how do you prepare the soil? It's not like uh, you, you grab a combine and run out there and dig up the ground. I mean, how do you prepare the heart to receive the seed? How does that happen? Well, the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You get prepared for the seed to take root by doing adequate preparation. There is a tree picture here given, and it shows the faithful children, the souls that are saved, the fruit of the Spirit. These are the fruit that's produced on them. But what is it that's down in the bottom there in the diagram here? We see some things that help prepare the heart of man. Godly music, listening to the right kind of music, helps prepare your heart. That's part of what the music service here at church does as we sing songs and we begin and open up and we have prayer. And these things are not just to fill up the first 30 minutes so that we can get to the preaching. These literally, quite literally, are designed, planned, prepared so that our heart would be ready to receive the word. It takes a few minutes. How many of you would attest to the fact? It takes a few minutes when you're just coming in off the street just to sit down and, and settle in and get the, the cares of the world out of your head, get the burdens of what's, what's been going on in your life and the struggles that you've been dealing with, and just to put those at rest for a minute. Sometimes I see people come in and they sit down and they're just reading their Bible. Twenty minutes before church, just reading, they're just sitting in here reading their Bible, sitting in here praying. They're preparing their heart. They're preparing their mind. So am I saying the believer should never listen to any other kind of music? Listen, let me just tell you, it's not going to prepare your heart for the word. This worldly music that's out there, all the different kinds, you know, some people really enjoy the country music. You know, you, you, you I'm not going to chase that rabbit. But <clears throat> let, me, let me just say this. How bad do you want to produce fruit? How bad do you want your heart to be ready to receive the word? Well, what we're taking in has an impact on our heart. And when we're taking in the wrong types of worldly things, it impacts our ability to have fertile soil for God's word to work in our life. But when we're taking in the right kind of music, music that feeds your spirit, that gives you good, strong teaching, that kind of music. And listen, there's a bunch of it in the bookstore there. If you say, I don't even have any music like that. Or you can see me and I will give you a CD of good music today. Uh, At least maybe 10 of you. I probably have 10 CDs. (laughs) A lot of it's digital now. We don't have many. But listen, you need to have good music. Have it in your car. Have it around. Listen to good music. Holy living, right living, doing right. Helps prepare the soil. Earnest time in prayer, praying, asking God to prepare your heart, to to give you ears to hear, praying and seeking God, seeing prayers answered, faithful service, serving God with your life, doing right things, uh, helps prepare the soil, witnessing, witnessing to other, daily Bible reading, weekly church attendance, just being in God's house. All these things help prepare the soil, get the soil ready to take the, the seed of the Word of God that it might grow and bring forth fruit. If you are f- firmly rooted in Jesus Christ, you are producing spiritual fruit. If you are a young Christian, you must fertilize the soil of your life by faithful church attendance, daily Bible reading, and all of the Christian disciplines necessary to be healthy and produce for good fruit. By the way, if you're an old Christian, you need the same things too. <laughs> It just really doesn't matter, you know, young or old, wherever we are, we need to have these things. It's not like all of a sudden, oh, I've been saved for 15 years now, I no longer need to do these things. No, we still need to do those. And that's what he says here next. If you are an older Christian, it is important to frequently examine your life and monitor your spiritual health to ensure that you do not become lax in these areas. Um, How strong is the root system of your Christian life? Let's talk about fruit bearing. Uh, this idea of fruit bearing in your life. What are some evidences? And you're you got a big blank sheet there. What are some evidences? Is that ten oh eight? Yeah. All right. I want to I want to get some feedback from you guys. What are some evidences of fruit in your life? And you can write these down, and uh, you can think about individually for you. Uh, Are those present in your life? Do you see these things? What is some evidence of fruit-bearing or maybe even some things that would help you to bear fruit? Yes. So fruit-bearing, ultimately seeing souls saved. We are going to be dealing with that next week, uh, uh, witnessing and reaching the lost. So seeing souls saved, reaching the lost with the gospel. That is a very real production of, of fruit in your life. Anybody else have an idea? Bringing others to church, evidence of fruit. Living a victorious life, seeing victory in your life is evidence of fruit. It's evidence of God working in your life, seeing victory. Uh, Not just once, but, but the more often you begin to see and experience victory in your life. You're growing; that God is God is blessing your life. Yes, serving others, serving others. an outpouring of the fruit in your life. Serving others. Um, I'm sorry, heavy. Testifying, testifying to other people. Miss Crane. Bible study. Bible study, being involved in Bible study, studying the scriptures. So you can (coughs) think about your life and evidences of fruit and do you see this fruit and is it being produced? Is it something that's evident there? Now, we want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Let me give you a couple of these things because I need to get into this. But as a, as a Christian dies to self and denies the flesh, the Holy Spirit is given freedom to develop the fruit of the Spirit. So what we're talking about is the fruit of the Spirit. These are evidences, uh, and we, we just gave you a list of a few uh, more practical type things. But the fruit of the Spirit should be evident in your life. Um, and as long as I stand on the throne of my life, I'm limiting, if not completely stopping, the Spirit from producing fruit. I need to be yielded to the Spirit of God. When I take back control, I'm I'm producing the fruit that I will produce. But when I yield to the Spirit and let the Spirit of God bring that change, we die daily, we pick up our cross daily. Uh, And we learned last week that picking up and carrying our cross is really not that hard when it's motivated by love the love for Jesus Christ. A godly influence, such as Bible reading, uh, and uh, reading application or prayer, etc., uh, begin to influence the Christian's life, growth begins to occur, and the fruit of the Spirit begins to be seen. As growth occurs, the fruit of the Spirit starts to become evident. There are nine specific areas uh, given to us in Galatians uh, 5.22, Uh, it's important to realize that that fruit is developed. Those nine areas are listed in just a moment. Uh, The fruit is a natural byproduct of a prepared heart receiving the word of God. I'm going to give you this and we're going to close. I think about it like this. You know, the fruit of the spirit is not something that we just work up. It's not something that we just try and, and well, I need to have more peace in my life. So I'm just going to, I'm going to be at peace. You see, the peace comes. The secret to fruit bearing is abiding, and when we abide in Him, the peace is is present. And I think about it like this: a young guy, scared of the dark, walking down a dark alley, all by himself, is just riddled with anxiety and just full of fear. And just afraid, and he's going, he's looking everywhere, every shadow. I mean, the smallest cat, I mean, just you know, scared to death. But what happens when he's walking down that same dark alley in the presence of his father? He's at perfect peace. It's not something that he worked up in his heart and made happen. No, it's that he's in the presence of the Father. And he's walking down that alley, and that peace is just there. He's he's not worried at all. And the fruit of the Spirit that's listed here is not something in your life you can say, oh, well, I need to be more loving. That may be true, but that fruit is a byproduct of abiding in Christ. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that and ultimately deal with the topic of reaching the lost next week as a sign of the fruit that we should be bearing as Christians as well. Let's close in prayer.